Well, good morning, Midtown. We have made it to August, uh, eight months into the worst year, probably in the history of the world. And we come again wondering who is in control here? Uh, who has the power to make anything work for anything? Uh, so Jonathan is going to come and preach to us today about the power that resides within us as we pray to God and the power of God uh, to do something about that. Uh, so as we sit and, and ponder, what do we do with uh, school decisions? What do we do with mask decisions? What do we do with opening and closing and going on vacation and things like that? I want to remind us, and Scripture reminds us in Psalm 93, of the power uh, that God holds, uh, that God has not left the wheel. God has not uh, given control to anything else. So hear this call to worship from Psalm 93. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He has put on strength as his belt. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Your throne is established from of old, and you are from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their roaring, mightier than the thunders of many waters, mightier than the waves of the sea. The Lord on high is mighty. Your decrees are very trustworthy. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. Let us enter into worship. Hey, Midtowners, as you are worshiping this morning or afternoon or evening or whenever you're worshiping, uh, sing this song with us as we come into the presence of our God, thanking him and recognizing him as our sustenance and our wisdom um, and the source of everything that we need.
pray together. Um, Father, you are the source of wisdom. You're the source of our power. You are the source of our comfort and our purpose. And um, you are why we are loved. Thank you for being all those things. Um, help us to humbly rely on you and receive these gifts from you, um, especially as we are hearing your word and learning about you um, and hearing from your spirit in this time now. Be with us. Thank you for being here. Amen. Hey, Midtown. Today is a good day. The Lord is Lord today. And I, I don't know uh, what your week has been like. And I know what my week has been like. Um, I don't know what the last few months of you for, uh, have been for you. Um, but I do know that today is a day we get to come together and worship Jesus. We get to be reminded who he is. We get to be reminded who we are. And we get to be reminded how that changes us. How the fact that he is who he is really transforms us. And so in our passage this morning in Ephesians chapter 3, Paul is actually praying something for us that I know we already want. It's beautiful. It's amazing. It's like, it's like God's finally got on my agenda. Like he's actually, Paul is praying for something for me that I already want for me. Of course, we'll see that's maybe not exactly what I want for me. But what he's praying for is this thing called power. That, that this, this uh, prayer of Paul we're about to read is actually a prayer for Christians to have power. So let's read it together. This is Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Wow. What a passage, right? What a prayer. I don't know. I don't know if you can hear that and you can you know, know that that's being prayed for you and not feel something as a believer because the thing that Paul is praying for us is something that we want so badly. So there's, there's three things that I want to say about power. I want to, I want to talk about you know, why is it that Paul is praying for power for us and why is that important? I want to talk about what is power. What, what is the power that Paul is praying? And then lastly, what are we supposed to do with it? So why is Paul praying for power for these Christians? Why is it so important uh, that he prays for that? What is it about power that they need? Because it, it even says at the beginning that Paul doesn't just pray. It says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father in prayer. So he's, he's kneeling in prayer. And I know that's kind of a common Christian thing that, we, you know, at least we understand people do. But in this day and age, people actually didn't kneel very often. When they prayed, they were standing. So the fact that Paul says, I kneel before the Father means, like, I'm not just praying for something that I think, you know, is just sort of typical for me to pray for. No, I'm, my heart is now active. I'm, my will and my heart are desiring this thing for you church, this, this thing for you, people of God. So what's so important that makes Paul want to bow his knees to pray for these people? Well, two things. I think, first of all, I think like, like so many other things, we have a very narrow uh, understanding of what power is. 
right? When we think of power, we think of famous and powerful people, right? We, people who wield scepters, right? Or, or, you know, maybe throwing lightning bolts around if we're looking at TV shows or movies. It's big, it's grand, it's flashy. And power in this way is top-down. That's, that's kind of our typical understanding of power. It's this kind of top-down force. But let me ask you this. Do you know who the most powerful person was in the 17 and early 1800s? Okay, now keep in mind, 17 and 1800s, uh, you know, this is time when, you know, King George was ruling in England. After this was Napoleon in France, like some really major powerful people. But, you know, the most powerful person in the world during this time wasn't either of them. In fact, it's, it's someone you've probably never heard of. Uh, it's a guy whose name was Robert Clive. And Robert Clive was actually the man who controlled the East India Company. Okay, the East India Company was this, was this group of traders, this, this massive trading company that had a complete monopoly on all trade that went, that went by um, in the East Indies. They ended up actually owning the entire subcontinent of India. They had a 260,000-person army. And the leader of this company controlled all the nations of the world at that time, controlled all the empires of the world. Why? Because it was his company that got things done. It was his company that did things that mattered. And that actually helps us understand what power really is about and why Paul is praying for power for us. Because what power is, is it's not just this kind of image of like powerful kings and queens or or famous people with top-down kind of power. Power is just the ability to make change to move things, to make things happen. Power is what moves things. And many times, the power is hidden behind the thing that it's moving. It's not always top-down. It can be often inside-out. Like, for example, okay, think about the big, powerful, you know, king or queen sitting on the throne, right? They make all the decrees. They, uh, They give all the decisions. They sign their name on all the documents. But then there's the little man, right? The little man that's behind the king whispering in his ear. Who's the one with power in the situation? Who's the one that's actually making change and actually moving things? Right? It's, it's, the, it's the person behind. It's the person behind the scenes whispering in the king's ear. Uh, or else, right, um, think about uh, this, uh, the, the, the movie My Big Fat Greek Wedding, right? Cin- cinematic masterpiece. There's a line in there that's so good. The, I think it's the mother of the bride. She says this. She says, the man is the head, but the woman is the neck, and she can turn the head wherever she wants. Okay, so we get this idea that that power is, is the ability to actually do things, the ability to act, and it's the ability to create movement toward what I want, to actually make the things I want become a reality. And so what Paul is saying, what, what Paul is praying for, is that we would have this kind of power from the Holy Spirit inside of us. It's not the kind of top-down power, but it's the inside-out power, the the actual power that can get things done for us in our lives. And so let's look at where we find this in our text. So in verse 16, when Paul is praying, he says, I pray that according to the riches of God's glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power, and listen, through his spirit in your inner being." Through his spirit in your inner being, in, the, in, this, in this very deep, the, the, the innermost parts of your life, the parts of your heart, the parts of your mind, where all these things kind of come together in a way that isn't even always conscious to us. 
in this real seat of power, the Holy Spirit is present. If you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you, working out of you, and working the power of God out of you. That is what power is for the Christian. It doesn't come from anything outside of ourselves, right? We love to think of power as if I can get enough control, if I can get enough, you know, kind of fame and influence and notoriety, if I can get intelligence, if I can be the smartest person in the room, if I can get money, or even friends, if I can gather the right people around me and have influence over people, then I will have power. And what the Bible says, no, power isn't coming from something outside of yourself. It's actually coming from within you, from the power of God in you. Your power is the power of God in you through the Holy Spirit. And this is why it's so important that Paul is praying this prayer for power for us, because we need it. And the scary thing, the, the scary inverse truth of this, is that if Paul is praying for power for us as believers, then that means there's a chance we can be believers without power. That we can actually be Christians with all the gifts, but no access to them. With all the promises, but without them actually being active and powerful forces in our lives. We can be Christians who, as Paul says later on in another letter, are ineffective and unfruitful in our knowledge of God. We can be Christians that are ineffective and unfruitful and unpowerful. And remember, power is the ability to do. It's the, it's the ability to make change. It's the power for things to not just be true in principle, right? Just true in our heads, but actually effective in practice. Paul is saying we can actually be hollow. We could even be, to keep the metaphor, we could be puppet Christians, right? Kings and queens without any real power in our lives. Without any power to affect change within ourselves or within the world. And so let's look at the three things that Paul prays they would have power for. Because the power, remember, is to, to make something happen. And so Paul says, I, there, there's these three things that I want you to have the power for. Number one, I want you to, to have the power for Christ to dwell in your heart by faith in verse 17. And then in verse 18, he says, I want you to have power so that you would be rooted and grounded in love. And then in verse 19, he says that you would be filled with all the fullness of God. And listen, Christians, every one of those things is something we are already promised because of Jesus. We are promised that Jesus Christ, when he saves us, he dwells in our hearts. And we're promised that we have his love. And we're promised that we're filled with God. And yet, don't miss this, Paul is praying. Christian, would you have, would you have power for these things to actually be true for you? Which means there's a way they can be true for you and yet not true for you. There's a way they can be realities that exist, but there's no power actually affecting you to move out with these things. And so I can be someone who, with, you know, in, in whom Christ dwells, and yet it's not changing me. He's maybe dwelling in me in a way, but he's not coming out of me in a way. I can have love, but I'm not rooted. I'm not grounded. I know it. I know he loves me, but it doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't sink into me and then sink me down into whatever place I'm in to give me rootedness and groundedness. And I can be filled with God and still be empty. I can be filled with God and not be walking in his spirit to fill the fullness of what it means to have the power of God. And so there's a real danger for Christians to be Christians with all kinds of things and without power. So that is why Paul is praying that we would have power. 
So what is this power then? What, what, what actually is the power of God for us? Well, I mean, the power of God for us is the power of God inside of us. It's, it's the power of the Holy Spirit. But, but, but what does it do? What's kind of the nature of it? And, and this is hard. This is, this is, we're kind of now in the waters of faith that is sometimes hard to understand, sometimes hard to speak about rationally, but I, but I really want to try. And here's, here's, I think, one place to go. Oftentimes, we think or we assume that power is impersonal. We kind of have this view of power like it's this force, like it's, you know, it's like the power in your car. It's the, the you know, the combustion that's creating force inside your car to make it move, but it's just kind of personal. It just sort of operates mechanically. But that's not the way that God's power is described in the Bible, and it's not the way God's power is described here in this passage. Because the way that God's power is described is far from impersonal. It's completely personal. Because it's the power of love. God's power is tied to his love for us. In fact, I would say God's power is his love for us. And his love is his power. The way that his power is expressed for us and to us and through us is the power of love. And why is this? It's because it's, it's love that drove our God to create us. It was his power unleashed for us that led to him to even make us and create us. Why did he create us? Did he need us? Think about that. Did, did, did we fill a hole for him that, that he realized he was lacking without us? Well, maybe in a sense you could say that, but in a sense, no. He's, he's, he's fully himself. He's full within himself. And so why did he create us? other than the fact that he wanted to love us. That he was perfect, and somehow, in creating us, he could be more perfect in his love for us. Just like when a painter paints a picture of his beloved, or a musician writes a song for her beloved, it's a natural outflowing of the love that's within them. And our God is a God of love. And so it's a natural outflowing of his love for us that he would create us. And so, out of his great passionate love for us, he acted in power. You see that? That his power came behind his love and he said, I'm going to create. And so he spoke. He spoke the world into existence by the word of his power, John 1 says. And he realized his world was good, but it wasn't quite right yet. It wasn't finished. It was good, but it wasn't very good because he had something yet to do. He had an act of love yet to do. And so he gathered some dust and he breathed into that dust and he breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life. And then he looked at it and he said, this is very good. You see? You see the love and the power together. And I could go on because we know that after that we trashed this. Right? We rejected his love. We threw his love back in, our, in his face because we said, you know what? That power that's inside of you, I need more. That's what Adam and Eve said. They said, the power that I have because of you, I need more. And so, so they rejected it. And ever since then, we've rejected the love of God. And so what did God do? He came back in love and he came back in power and he sent Jesus. So not only did his love and his power create his, his creation of us and lead to him creating us, but they also led to his redeeming of us. Was there love and power displayed on the cross? Oh my goodness, yes there was. That to come after his lost loved ones, to come after the ones that had run from him, God came toward us in love and in power he defeated sin and death. 
and he reconciled us back to God. He literally did the thing that only God could do, the thing that only infinite power and only infinite love could do, he did for us. So that is the power of God. That is what Paul prays. Would you understand it? And it's why Paul says, I want you to be rooted and grounded in love. In verse 18, I want you to have strength to comprehend or to grasp is the word there. To, it's really a word for to tackle. It's this image of I'm going to run up and I'm going to tackle and wrestle this thing down to the ground. And what is this thing he wants us to tackle and wrestle? The love of Christ, the height, the breadth, the length, the depth. To know, not in our head, not in just our emotions, but in this deep place of the, of the, the soul. To know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge and to be filled with all the fullness of God. So what are we supposed to do with it? What, what are we supposed to do now that we've, we've heard Paul pray this incredible prayer for power and we've seen that this power is, you can't disconnect it from the love, the care that our Father has for us. Well, I've really enjoyed over the last several weeks getting to share and invite Midtown a little bit more into um, what we've been doing in South Nashville, um, into the, the Napier kitchen table. And um, one of the th- there's a few things that, that we've really called ourselves into, and, and these are things that all of our pastors at all the different congregations in Midtown, congregations one through congregation five, are inviting their people into. This is the way we actually feel like we begin to... This is the way that we feel like we actually begin to borrow and, and take from the power of the Lord for ourselves. To, to allow it to actually move out from within us, the place that it actually resides in and come out of us. And the first of these things is to pray. Paul prayed for this power to be unleashed for us, and we should too. And the Bible says some crazy things about prayer. The, the Bible doesn't just say that prayer is, is the, the way that I ask God for things. Like if, if I just pray, then I ask God to give me power and then he'll give me power. The Bible talks about prayer in this amazing, supernatural, mysterious way where prayer is itself power. That the, the, the prayer is the power and it's why Paul prays for power for us. Because he believes that as he's praying that the Lord is actually moving How is that possible? Well, it's possible because what prayer is, is is prayer is putting myself in this this place of dependence. It's, It's actually putting myself in a posture where I'm dependent and faithful and I'm trusting in the Lord. Prayer is me placing myself as the son before his father, saying, Father, you have the power. You have the love. And I'm coming to you saying, would you make what's already true about me inside of me come out? Would you make the, the power and love that's, that's present in me through Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, and the deepest part of my being, would you work that out? And so I, I understand and I proclaim through my coming in prayer that I need God, that I need his power, that I'm insufficient on my own, that my power does not lie in anything outside of myself, or anything that I need to get for myself, it's just a gift. And it's already in me because of the love of Jesus as he created me and as he redeemed me. So the second thing we do as we pray um, is we practice. Uh, We don't wait to pray and then practice. We can practice and pray at the same time. And, And what I mean by practicing is we practice 
the same power of God, which is love. Remember, God created us because of his love and through his love. His love was the power that he used to unleash for us, to create us and to redeem us. And we, because we have the Holy Spirit, don't miss this, church. Because we have the power of Jesus inside of us, we can love with the power of Jesus. That, that as we seek to love others out of the love that's within us, the same creating and redeeming power of love can flow out of us to other people and to the world and even to ourselves. And the reason there's actually power there is because it's not just our own love. I'm not talking about like forcing yourself to feel an emotion you don't feel. I'm not talking about beating yourself up because you don't love people enough. I'm talking about unleashing the power of the love that's already inside of you. The love that you don't have to well up within you. You don't have to force it. It's already there. It's been expressed for you. And you pray and you depend on the Lord to, to make that love active outside of you. And what kind of love do we practice? Well, we, we now know the kind of love we practice because we had it modeled for us. We had it modeled in the person of Jesus. We had it modeled when his love didn't just create us, but it came after us when we ran. It didn't just create us and say, great, like, you're my friend now and I'll go. It said, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk with you. I'm going to seek you. And that's what we seek to do at the Napier Kitchen Table. That's what we seek to do at all the congregations of Midtown is come alongside our brothers and sisters and walk with them in this walk of discipleship, in this walk of more fully understanding one to another the love that the Lord has for us and the power that is ours, that is ours because of that. So our love is a, is a seeking love. It's a, it's a love that moves toward. It's a, it's a love that doesn't let people run. And our love is a sacrificing love. Our love is a love that says, I'm not just going to love if it feels good to me or gives me everything I want, although it does do that. But our love is a love that we extend because we know how much we've been loved, because we have power in us to actually move toward others even when they're difficult to love, even when it requires sacrifice. Our love is honoring our love is authentic. Our love seeks to know and to understand and to move toward another in humility. Our love uh, seeks to break down dividing walls of hostility. I could go on and on. But all the things that we know are true about the love of Jesus are now true for ourselves when we love. And then the last thing that you can't miss in this passage, not only do we pray, not only do we practice as we pray, but there's something there at the end. In verse 18, Paul says, I pray that you have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and breadth and height and depth of the love of God. And so what this says is we don't just practice, but we practice together. We practice as the church. That the church as the people of God, the body of believers, the bride of Christ, the table fellowship, is where this love is really unleashed upon the world. There's a reason why God didn't create just millions of Christians around the world in their own individual bubbles, but he said, no, come together and practice love, practice receiving my spirit in community, in the community of the church. And so we gather. We gather together and we worship. We gather together and we organize. We create ministries and plans and we... we, we uh, Go on the warpath for the sake of the kingdom of God. We don't practice alone. We practice it within our church body and within the family of Christ. 
And so the reason we want to plant churches, the reason we want to get out in Nashville and transform this city for the sake of the gospel is because, number one, we believe there is power there. We believe that God has given us unlimited power, unlimited power through his love that becomes our love. And so we, we unleash that on the city of Nashville. We plant congregations for God's people to love one another around the table and then to be fed and nourished so they can leave the table and go out. Because we believe, number two, that when we come together as the body and we organize, we organize ourselves and we commit to loving one another in community, that that power just gets ratcheted up. That God actually works power through his church. And by the way, this all felt too good to be true. I think it's such a gift and a blessing that Paul ends this passage with the last two verses. So let me read that again as we close. He says, now to him who is able to do, think about everything we just said, think about everything I just said, the Lord is doing for you. Paul says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we could ask or think. I can't even think big enough for what the Lord wants to do according to the power at work within us, that we have power working within us to do more than we can even think about doing. Verse 21, Paul says, To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. That's our prayer for us, church. That to him be the glory, that for his glory, for the sake of his name, all these things are true for us. He will make it happen. Let's pray. Father, um, as those that need to be reminded that the thing we want most of all is actually the thing you want for us too. Thank you for telling us that you want power for us. And you don't want the empty kind of power that just eats us up from the inside, the desire for self-gratification, the desire for, for self-proclamation. No, you want the power that comes from the humble, yet glorious, powerful, risen Savior Jesus. You want that working out of us. You want that for us. You know that's what's best for us. You know that we can't even imagine the joy, the fullness that comes from sinking into the ocean of your love. And so, Lord, we need Paul to pray it for us. We need ourselves to pray it for each other. We need our friends and family to pray it together for all of us. And so, Lord, we pray right now in the name of Jesus for the power of the love of God to be unleashed in this city through the work of our church through the work of all churches that proclaim your name. We pray that this power would go forth and it would accomplish exactly what you want, which is bringing more sons and daughters back home. Do that, Lord, in this time when we are so beat down by our plans not going our way, by being unable to do the things that we have decided fill us up. Lord, would you show us that you can fill us up through any means, that we have fullness in you and you, you, you have things for us to make us fully alive, fully human sons and daughters of the King. But we, we proclaim this is true and we also pray that it would be even more true. Make that happen, Lord. Thank you that you even give us the freedom to pray bold prayers like that. So we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, let's sing this song as a prayer, not just that God would pour out his spirit on us, but that we would be postured to receive it open-handedly. Sing open handed, this my hope. Open handed.
worship and praise God for how he's shown us how much he loves us through Jesus and let's receive the charge to live as empowered children of God
Christ is risen from the dead, trampling over death by death. Come awake, come awake, come and rise up from the grave. Christ is risen from the dead, we are one with him again. Come awake, come awake, come and rise up from the grave. Midtown, I don't know if you're like me, this last week has been hard, and so you may not feel like you've got a lot of power, but I want you to receive this benediction from the Lord. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And so therefore, go from here, boast all the more gladly of your weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon you. Go in peace.